I do thank you for joining me this morning. We are picking up in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 41. Uh, remember last time we we finished uh, last time by looking at uh, the the command of uh, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the greatest command. We finished that last week. And so today we're looking at uh, the same, we're looking at rather verse 41, let's see my day, but verse 41, dealing with uh, the question that the Pharisees came to Jesus with. So beginning in Matthew 22, looking at verse 41, the Bible says, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him any more. Now, we have to remember, as you look at this section, that when David calls him Lord, he's doing so through the Spirit. And that, what I mean by that is this, Christ came as the descendant of, of uh, David. We find there, looking at verse uh, 42, the Bible says, uh, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David, there in verse 42. They knew from what tribe the Messiah would come, so they couldn't deny that Jesus came from the tribe, as we also find there in John 7, verse 42. In verse 43, Christ asked them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit my right hand to make your enemies your footstool. There in verse 44. Um, and so this is quoted from uh, Psalm 110, verse 1. Uh, the Jews did not deny this statement that referred to, that, that referred to uh, or his statement that referred to the Messiah. Lord means Jehovah, the existing one, the I am, the eternal one. The Jews would not speak the name of Jehovah, so the word Lord was substituted. Um, said unto my Lord is a sovereign or the master or the one in control. This can describe the Lord God, the Lord of the whole earth, but here it means the messianic king. Sit thou on my right hand to make the enemies thy footstool. We know that Jesus is now sitting in the right hand of God, 1 Peter 3, verse 22, and Hebrews 12, verse 2. To make thine enemies thy footstool, referring to the uh, all the enemies under Jesus. He must reign until all enemies are put under his feet, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 25. The question in verse 45 is, if David then call, call him Lord, how is he his son? Uh the scriptures taught that Christ was to be descendant of David, Psalm 132, verse 11. Uh, as we have talked about, uh, I think we've mentioned this before, but David did this by the by the Spirit. Even Christ mentions that there in verse 43. Uh, how does David in the Spirit call him Lord? Luke adds it was in the Psalms that David called him Lord. Uh, we know, well, why does he call him Lord? Because he is he is the Son of God. He is a Messiah. Yes, he came from the from the seed of, or from the line of David, but he also was still the Messiah. He was also still the Son of God. So he still calls him Lord. Uh, but we find here in verse 40, 46, and no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. I don't think there's a possibility they did not understand, but I think also there's a possibility here in verse 45 and 46 
that they did not want to say anything because because they couldn't say anything but acknowledging that he who they were speaking to was the son of God, which was which is exactly what they were trying to deny. And so when Christ asked that question there about how can he call him Lord and also call him son, well the truth is because he became he was he was the son of David because he came through his line. And he can call him Lord because he is the son of God. That's how he does so. When he found there in verse uh, 44 or 43, other, he says he does. He uh, how then does, did David in the spirit call him Lord in the spirit? Because David was not alive when Christ came to the earth, obviously. But he still refers to him as Lord because he's the son of God. And so that's how he does so. But in verse 46, God says, no one, no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. So that concludes chapter 22, which brings us to chapter 23, verse 1, which begins with uh, several woes in chapter 23. Uh, the heading I have here is woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, because that's the uh, text and that's the, the phrase we find over and over again here in chapter 23. And this section can also be found in Mark chapter 12. Verses 38 through 40, and also Luke chapter uh, 20, verses 45 through 47. So beginning in Matthew 23, verse 1, the Bible says, And Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. Now, we find here in verse 2 is that, uh, the seat of Moses is an expression for the professor whose function was to interpret Moses. Uh, teachers often sit while teaching. However, this is used here of the exalted seat occupied by the men of eminent rank or influence, as, for example, teachers and judges. Uh, the scribes and Pharisees felt they were heirs of Moses' authority and could deliver authoritative uh, pronouncements on his teaching. This sounds a lot like uh, some of our times who claim to speak for God. For example, like the Pope, who claims to speak for God. Uh, he even, uh, some even go as far as saying that the Pope says he is God on on Earth, or that God is you know working directly through him. Uh, but doesn't an honest uh, examination of that will find that that is completely and totally false. Looking at verse three of Matthew twenty three. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. Uh, as teachers, they were pretty good, but, but do not dare follow their example. It seems to be the idea here. Follow what they teach, but don't follow their example. Uh, but we also know that they also, as we're going to find here, they would also begin to place a lot of heavy burdens that had nothing to do with the law of Moses. Things that they themselves had decided, this is what you should do also. You know, it's the, in addition to, do also, also do this. And those are things which they too were to uh, stay away from. In verse 3, therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. So whenever they teach the law of Moses, you follow that. But do not do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. I mean, don't follow their example in that don't be teachers and not doers. Verse 4 says, for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to, to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Now let's pause here for just a second. We find in verse 4, they bind heavy burdens that are hard to bear. Uh, 
these are the kind of people who do not bear one of those burdens. They 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 put uh, these burdens here. I think more of the idea they are adding in all types of little teachings and traditions. As we know, also with, these are the same men who. Uh, when the disciples came through and then it washed their hands in their special way, as Mark says, they condemned them for it for not following, following the tradition of the elders. That'd be an example of the heavy burdens. You know, you don't just wash your hands. You wash them in a, separate, in a special way. You wash your pots and pans in a separate way. You wash all these other things in a special way. Those are some of the heavy burdens. And he also points out here their hypocrisy, he says in verse 4, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Verse 5, again, he summarizes what they're doing and why they're doing it here in verse 5 when he says, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They do it so others can see what they're doing. They do it for the praise. Verse 5, they make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. He's saying they they wear their garments in such a way that it's going to draw attention to themselves. They make everything bigger and bolder and, to again, to draw attention to themselves. We see in verse 5, but all their works they do to be seen by men, and their their <laughs> uh, incredible garments would be something to help draw your attention to them as they're doing the, these works to be seen by men. Verse 6 to Matthew 23, he says, They love the best places at the feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. As so we find here in verse 6 and 7, these were not humble people. They were loving the best places at the feast. They were not humble enough to take a lowly seat, as Christ talks about in the gospel accounts as well, to take the lowly seat. And then if someone wants you to move up to a better seat or to a different seat, then take that. But start the humble seat because you don't want to move up or sit down at the wrong seat and have someone tell you you need to move to this other seat. Uh, you know, don't exalt yourself. Instead, be humble. And if someone to exalt you, allow them to do so uh, in that way. I remember years ago when I was in school, Brother Ted Clark talked about how he was at a lecture ship, I believe it was, and they kind of had a banquet meal, and there were some seats that were really designated for the speakers. Um, and when he was getting his food, he came and realized that someone was sitting in his seat, uh, a student or something, a uh, younger individual, and so he went and sat somewhere else. And well, then he watched painfully as someone went and told that young man that you need to get move, you're in this brother's seat. This is, you know, this was specifically says sit here for him. And so the young brother had to get up and move. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, we want to be those who are humble. And allow, if others see a desire to exalt us in, in a godly way, then we can allow them to do so. But we don't want to be those who had to be humble because we are exalting ourselves. And that's what we find here in verse 7. They were exalting themselves. And also in verse 8, but but uh, verse 70 says, and to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi. Now, the word rabbi uh, literally means uh, master or uh, some strong says here, my great one, my honorable sir. It means that they like they like the respect that they can get from people. Uh, they like the title that 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 yes, master or, or you know, honorable sir, that type of thing. Uh, they love those types of things. In verse eight. But you do not be called rabbi. For one is your teacher. So here it's being referenced as a teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. And so don't look up to one as the singular teacher, but look up to Christ as the true teacher. Verse 9, do not call anyone on earth your father. Now he's talking about spiritually, right? He's not talking about don't call your dad father. 
your physical father, father. He's talking about don't call anyone your spiritual father because we have those who still today who will call others fathers. Uh, you go into the Catholic heart, Catholic denomination, you have those who refer to certain men as father. Uh, it says thing, we say sometimes brother so-and-so because they are brother in Christ or sister so-and-so because they're sister in Christ. Well, they say father. But interesting enough, that is actually condemned as we find here in the Bible. Don't call anyone your spiritual fathers in, in context what he's talking about. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. Again, don't look at the one individual as your sole source, but look to who? Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, verse 11. He who is greatest among you shall be your servant, meaning there is more greatness, there is more honor in being a humble servant. There is someone who is exalting themselves or seeking to have themselves be exalted by others. We do things, when it comes to the Lord's church, we do things because we want to help others get to heaven and we want to try to bring honor and glory to God. And when we fall short, make a mistake or stumble, we go to our God in repentance, go to God in repentance, asking for forgiveness, and we strive to be better. We do not be those, we're not called to be those who are uh, arrogant people. Looking here uh, in verse 12, he says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now we look at verse 13, we have another woe that's given here. He says, he says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, hypocrite can refer to as someone who's a pretender, uh, a, a stage act, a stage player or an actor, meaning they're, they're phonies is what he's calling them. So he, he could really translate this, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, uh, pretenders. <laughs> you pretend to be things that you're really not. He says, he says, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who enter to go in. So what we find here in verse 12 is that they're doing things that are going to actively keep people out of heaven. Uh, the, the, we look here in verse 12, uh, excuse me, not verse 12, verse 13, rather. Um, we, we find here they are, they are shutting up the kingdom of heaven against men. In Luke 11.52, the lawyers are accused of keeping the door to the house of knowledge locked with the flinging away of the keys so as to keep themselves and the people in ignorance. Uh, he says, you neither go in yourselves, uh, yourselves here in verse 13, nor do you allow those who enter to go in. Uh, it's hard to think about how we think about this and we say, well, who would do this? Well, people do this today all the time by not teaching what the Bible actually says. They do this by uh, distorting the truth, by hiding the truth, and by trying to, instead of teaching the truth and that brings people to God and gives them a ch the, the chance of heaven, instead, uh, they will omit things. They will not preach the counsel of God. And in that way, they prevent people from obeying the one true gospel uh, because we don't want to offend others. And of course, we don't set out to offend anyone. I never set out. I never thought, you know what, I'm going to preach this lesson. It's going to make this person mad. I've never done that. I have prepared lessons knowing that there are some people who are not going to like it. I didn't deliberately do that. But sometimes when you preach the truth, that's what happens. And we look here in verse 14, or verse 13, rather. Um, these individuals were actually doing things, and I think it's fair to say teaching things, that would keep men out of heaven. 
Looking at verse 14, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation, there in verse 14. So we find here these individuals are actually oppressing, we find here in verse 14, widows. He says, for you devour widows' houses, which means they go in and they just, maybe they, they just talk the widow out of things. You know, we have those today who, on television, you always see that number going across the bottom where you can donate. And they mentioned several times throughout their their program about donating and how important it is, and they kind of talk people into it. And that's how they we find here in verse 18. They just uh, devour widows' houses. And he says in verse 14, And for a pretense, make long prayers. Pretense is the idea of uh, doing something for a show. And so for a show, they do what? They make long prayers. And he says in verse 14, Therefore, you will receive a greater condemnation. Uh, it offers here, uh, this refers to, or the condemnation is mentioned here in verse 14, and the King James says damnation, uh, which the Parsons have mentioned many times before. His commentary, he says here, refers to condemnation. It often refers to e- eternal condemnation. Our conduct does have, e- have future and eternal consequences. Looking at verse 15 of Matthew chapter 23, he says, Woe to you, uh, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Now, this is an interesting uh, verse here. Uh, this is Now, this is the third woe, and we find in verse, uh, in verse 15, it says, You... Uh, you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. A proselyte is one who's converted to the Jewish religion, often circumcised and fully embracing the Jewish religion. He says here, and when he is made, you make him twi- you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Uh, these converted were in worse shape after conversion. Uh, the Patterson says here, as one writer put put it, the, the more converted, the more perverted. So what's happening is they're going all these, over these places to try to convert people. What they're doing is, is they actually take them and they obey in theory, but then they take them and they teach them things that are going to make them out to be those who are not going to get to heaven. Uh, the Pharisees who claimed, claimed they were the sons of the kingdom in a special sense were actually more partisan than pious. Twofold means they were twice as bad and really signified that such were really wicked and deserving of going to torment. Hell in this verse is for the word, is from the word Gehenna. Now, what's happening is that they were taking these men, converting them. What were they doing? They weren't really helping them uh, because they were actually teaching them their own tradition, their own commandments, and uh, not helping them at all. So if we find in verse 15, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Look at verse 16 now. He says, woe unto you, or woe to you rather, blind guides. Blind guides. You know, the Lord doesn't pull any punches here because these men, you got to remember who he's talking to. These are some very uh, angry and rebellious and hard-headed and stubborn and cold-hearted people. And so what does he do? Him, being the son of God, knew their hearts and knew how best to reach them. And what does he he do? He speaks pretty directly to them. Uh, Verse 16, Woe to you, blind guides, who say... Where whosoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. Whoever swears by the, t- by the gold of the temple, he is obligated to perform it. 
fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, is not, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged before. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore he who swears by the altar swears by it and by, and by all things on it. And he who swears by the temple uh, swears by it and by, and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. So what is he saying? They're putting their focus on the wrong things. You know, you can swear by the temple, but don't swear by the gold on the temple. You can swear by the altar, but don't swear by the sacrifices on the altar. They have no wrong. Christ says it's the temple that's important. It's the, it's the altar that's important. Because the temple is what sanctifies, where we come to be sanctified, uh, to be able to, find, to, to, go to, to, to beseech God. The uh, altar is where the sacrifices were laid. And so they were backwards in so much of this. And we look here in verse uh, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anus, and come in and have, have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone, here in verse 23. And so these things he mentions here in verse 23. The tithe, according to Deuteronomy 14.22 in Leviticus 27.30, was a tithe paid upon all the increase of thy seed. Our word tithe means tenth. Uh, the next thing he mentions here is this. Uh, and I don't know how you pronounce this. A N I S E uh, is a is Greek dill or cumin, and were small uh, aromatic uh, aromatic herbs. If someone had observed that this is like uh, someone has observed, he says that this is like giving a tenth of our garden vegetables. Um, he says you have omitted here in verse uh, 23 the weightier matters of the law, ju- judgment, mercy, and faith. Omitted means you have overlooked them. Judgment is the act of judging righteously. Mercy is the act of showing pity. And faith can be looked on in an active sense of trusting others, but also may be looked upon in the passive sense of being trustworthy. Jesus did not condemn tithing of small things. He explains these you ought to have done, but not leave the others undone. And so what is he talking about? There are some weightier matters, means of, which means of great consequence and importance. They were to do these things, which they were doing already, but also to do what? Not to leave these other things undone. Okay, we're going to we're going to stop there. Um, next week, um, we're going to pick up in verse 24 uh, next week. And so we're, there's a lot more to talk about here in Matthew 23. And so we're just going to stop there this week and pick up next time, Matthew 23 and verse 24. I do thank you for being here with me today. hope you have enjoyed uh, this Bible study. hope it was encouraging to you. And again, this will be available on, uh, on YouTube later. And then also, of course, on our uh, podcast channel, uh, Bible Studies with Russ, as well. So thank you for tuning in. hope you enjoyed this study. And hope to see you again next time.